Welcome to Heroes Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode E90. 90. Yep. 90. So, you know. I knew I, it was going to be bad when you started with that. Uh, well, no. So, you know, when we prep for this, I, I people must get tired of this. But, you know, when I prep for this, I always put the next episode number. And I was tracking, you know, when I prep for our next update episode, which is dropping on Wednesday, which is going to be an interesting one because there's some interesting updates happening. Really? Not, in, not, not interesting, like life changing. It's just like, you know. We're in the middle of Q4, and, and there's a lot of interesting things happening. You know, we got eBay glitch gate still happening. Yeah, we have yeah. Amazon dropping the hammer on people. You know, Ouch. we have stuff happening. So, but that's not what this episode is about. What's this episode about? So we are finishing up our Make Your Bed uh, by Admiral McRaven. And, you know, I'm excited about it. I think it's it was it was a great, like... He's talking about it's over. We haven't started the episode. Well, I, I mean, like, just reading it. The reading it part, for at least for us, is over. Um, it was it was a nice little like bite-sized bit of reading to do every day that mm-hmm. had something kind of either I don't even want to say it's practical in the sense that it's like just something to think about. Something it to is mull practical over. though. I mean, there's practical aspects of it, but it's not it's not a book that's like here's step one, two, and three on how to apply this to your life. It's like a more general. Mm-hmm. Here's a theory. Yeah. Here's a concept, and then you're kind of left to yourself to mull over. Like, all right, now what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my life today? So the make your bed part, like that one, that that one's very practical. Mm-hmm. But then some of the ones we're going to be talking about today, like our, our first one, which is you must dare greatly and this idea of like taking obstacles head on. And, you know, that's that's something where it's difficult to be perfectly practical because everybody's obstacles are different. But the principle is, is something that you could be thinking about constantly throughout your day. Like, how am I tackling obstacles? How am I doing that? And so it was nice. And I think uh, we've talked about this before on on the podcast with the, with this book and other books, uh, and people have made comments and and I think that a lot of this stuff isn't like groundbreaking, earth shattering. No, it's stuff. common sense at times, yeah. but we need reminders. Reminders, yep, yeah. And that that's what you know through this book, and and you know it's kind of one of those things I always talk about that you know a lot of motivational stuff is just platitudes, yep, and they just throw in some extra words, yep, yep. right. And we're not trying to be a motivational podcast. I mean, well, okay, that sounded terrible. That's not terrible. We want to, we want to demotivate you. <laughs> we want to make sure we you're miserable you and you don't get anything done. No, what I mean is, you know, we're not trying to come off as these motivational gurus. Now, if we're able to inspire and motivate some, we're happy to. Like, we love the DMs that we get, the inspiring messages, and it motivates us to keep moving forward and do these book reviews yep. or these level up reviews. Now, let's change directory a little bit before we get back to the book. An example of us no longer, no, not no longer attempting to. <laughs> I, there's no right way to say this, but in order to say show that we're not just trying to be these motivational gurus, we're switching it up a little bit, right? Our next oh, for book, our next book, yep, yeah. So what are we, what are we reading for our next book? Oh, so our next book is one that I actually haven't done a lot of research about, but I've heard people I've done talk zero about it, really, but it's been recommended to us by a lot of people. Yeah, I, I've I've heard people recommend it. I've actually there's another podcast that I listen to where um, there's like a paid portion of that podcast where they're going through this book and I'm like, oh, bummer. I, you know, I'm not a subscriber to the and podcast. And we're doing it for free. We're doing it for free. Yeah. Pure the podcast. Right. But um, anyways, the book is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And I think the you idea- You got to read the second line. Okay. It's intense. Negotiating as if your life depended on it. That's huge. That is huge. And I think I think it comes from, and, and I could be wrong, we'll do more research, obviously, before we do our book review. But I think it comes from the perspective of a person who was an FBI- um, negotiator for like um, ransom, 
right? Like people who are like ransomed and like. You so want me to read what it says? Let's read it. A former international hostage negotiator for the FBI offers a new field tested approach to high stakes negotiations, whether in the boardroom or at home. A Wall Street Journal bestseller. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I think it's one of those things where this, again, isn't going to be super practical reselling. Like, as you read the book, like, here's step one of how to negotiate at a garage sale, right? But the principles that you can take, I think, from this idea of, like, negotiating is important. And we negotiate all the time. Like, negotiating, whether or not, like, I think the the base way of thinking about it is we negotiate, like, a price. But we're always negotiating. It goes so much deeper than that. Every conversation you have with people, there's some kind of negotiating happening, right? Like there's a give and take always and trying to figure out how to do that well, how to do that in a way that that you're going to benefit from it while also not, you know, being corrupt and hurting other people. And so I think I'm excited about that book, but uh, but that's in a couple of weeks. So let's get into it. Yeah, but the back. link will be below if you want to order ahead of time. I really think this is one you're going to want to read along. The yeah. only reason I say that is because most of the people that recommended it to us through IG have said they've it's made a difference in their in their business and their wow. negotiations. Somebody had talked about like when they bought a car, they applied some of the principles. And I don't nice. I don't know what that all that means, but obviously practical. So maybe you want to pick it up, not just because you want to allow Pierre's podcast to make ten cents on the link or yeah. whatever it is, <laughs> but because it'll actually pay way more than we could ever get from the affiliate link. Yeah, yeah, the value that that you'll be able to take. (laughs) I just needed to drop that. Okay. All right. All right, you go ahead. Cool. All right. So our first chapter uh, is uh, chapter six. So we're halfway done. Uh, And these chapters, again, they're only a couple of pages long. So if you don't, if you don't have the book, um, you know, it's, it's kind of expensive, I think, for what it is, for how much you can get out of it. Right. But because it's so small, but the nice thing is, well, that's what I mean is, if you're looking at just page count, it's it's mm. very expensive. But if you think about because it's so easily digestible, um, this is a book I'm probably going to go back to probably once a year. I'll just go through it. It'll probably take me a few days to get through the whole thing. And just those constant reminders. And so I think at that point, it's worth it. So each chapter is only a few pages. Uh, so again, if you haven't picked it up yet, it might be worthwhile. Uh, so this one is You Must Dare Greatly. And the subcaption is If You Want to Change the World, Slide Down the Obstacle Head First. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, okay. Well, you know, he tells a story in here, right? About how he could have made a, uh, this obstacle course, I guess. Uh-huh. It's not called an obstacle course. Yeah, I mean, it is an obstacle course. An obstacle course. But, you know, in order to be his personal record and, you know, finish it at the time that he needed, he needed to take a risk. But he was so scared about taking that risk that he chose instead to play it the safe route. And he never made that time until he finally decided just to let go. And what was it? He had to like dive head first. Yeah. So the the one of the parts of the obstacle course is like a line that they have to kind of slide down. And the safe way of doing it, I think they called it like the sloth method, is like you hang mm. underneath the rope and you kind of hand over foot and you just go down it. And then the not safe method is to literally like sit on top of the rope head first and just kind of like use it like a slide. And he really had reason to be cautious about this like the the concern was if you do it this way it is much faster however the risk of falling off and breaking a leg or breaking an arm is way way up and if that happens you're out like you will not finish the program right so there's this like that's a huge risk yeah like you're gonna you're gonna get a personal best or a a course record which may not actually count for anything you could still pass the class without the personal best or the or you could hurt yourself and then be done and you might not ever be able to finish this program. But one of the the instructors that was there, one of the the 
I think he said it was a Vietnam vet, mm -hmm. said this. He said, the obstacle course is going to beat you every time unless you start taking some risks. And then he goes on to say like how that ended up working out in, in real life war experiences. Um, and yeah, I think that's a, a really big thing. Do you, do you have any examples of big risks that you've taken in your life? <laughs> I have plenty. Uh, you know, the biggest one is, I mean, I could talk about the reselling one and we've shared that a lot, but you know, big risk for me was, I, do I want to go back? I guess I want to go back. Big risk for me was when I initially moved to San Diego. Oh, that's a good one. Right. That was huge because I was one of those guys. And again, we're, we're all related to reselling, but you know, we're trying to relate to everything, but I'm one of those guys that I'm a, I'm a hometown kind of guy. Like I, I don't, I never wanted any change. Like I remember growing up and I wanted to teach at the same school I went to. I wanted to right. coach the same team. I wanted to live on, you know, if, if I preferably could live on the same street that I grew up on, right. I wanted to do all this. And then I took a big risk and I moved out to Wisconsin for schooling. But the bigger risk, because at least when I went to school, it's kind of different. Like everybody's, you know, new, right? right? So everybody can be awkward together. And, you know, I was 19 years old. And no, I was actually 17 years old, 17 years old. Nice. And it's okay to be, it's, but at that stage, you know, being awkward together, it's okay. Yeah. Like everybody's figuring it out it's kind of fun. But then after I graduated, I took a job here in San Diego. And in this job, it was scary because I knew absolutely no one. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a place to stay. I had nothing. Now, when I moved down here, I did. I mean, I was married. I had a small child. I, you know, you can't just do those things. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could. I mean, I know people that have. But it was scary. And, and the risk was leaving the comfort of home. In the sense, And I know this sounds kind of silly, but, you know, we're in the stage where right now it's like, it's kind of the thing, like, to move back with your family. Right. Right. To build up that capital, to buy a home or build your business, which I'm fine with. I don't, I don't have any issues with that. For me though, at that time, that would have been the easier route. The easier route would have been, you know, we had a nice home in San Francisco. Things were good. I was making money, but I wouldn't have, I, I look back and I go, I wouldn't have made it anywhere. Not that I made it like I'm this, you know, good time guy, but I would have been in that same kind of monotonous kind of life. And instead, I came down here and it was a huge risk. I remember <laughs> the place, I didn't even know where I was moving to. And I remember speaking to the superintendent and I didn't know he was brand new. And he's like, hey, you know, there's this, I go, what do you think of this neighborhood? He goes, oh, I think that neighborhood's great. Moved down here, drove into the neighborhood. Not great. No, like terrible, like terrible, like probably the worst place that I could have moved to. I mean, you know, there are homicides that take place, drug deals. I mean, it was pretty bad, but it was a risk, right? The other risk was I had no car. And sure enough, down the block, another new teacher was there and we carpooled every day. Right. And so and I'm not a, I'm not saying that everything falls into place, but had I not taken that risk, I would not have had the incredible 15 years I had right. there at that location. Right. And I'm still in San Diego and I don't think I'll ever leave from San Diego, but I wouldn't have known a wider world. And I know this is a pretty simple illustration. It's not as hardcore as, you know, I quit my job. I had zero in my savings. I had no yeah. money, but it was kind of like that in this scenario because I actually, I had my first set of kitchen furniture was a patio table and lawn chairs. Mm. 
that somebody had given me because they came to my place and like, where do you guys eat? I'm like, well, we're just trying to figure that out. Right. Yeah. But from that beginning, right, that and, and part of it was I was kind of like embarrassed, but I eventually got over that. And I want to talk about that in a little bit. That embarrassment to me is one of the things that will hold people back mm. and it held me back a lot of times. So anyways, so that is my uh, my risk. Yeah. Were, were you going to share something or were you no. just looking for examples? No, that's good. I mean, I, I have kind of similar in, in some ways. I mean, becoming a teacher, I was working in kind of corporate world. I had a really good paying job. I mean, I was right out of high school making, you know, decent money, more money than I started making right off the bat teaching. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I was doing good, but it wasn't my dream uh, to, to, to work at this call center, you know, and to, to manage the, these, these people. But it was comfortable. It's comfortable. And so, um, I owned a home. I had all this stuff going for me and my wife and I decided, you know what? Um, you want to be a teacher? She wanted to move back to San Diego and we were not living in San Diego at the time. And it was like, what if we just, what if I quit my job and I go to school full time and I become a teacher, right? And that was, it was huge. It was crazy. Um, but we did it. And then I'm thinking more recently, I mean, my wife staying home from work, that was a big risk like that we, we took, especially because we did it a few months earlier than we planned. Like we were planning on doing it in December. She would still be working right now. And we'd kind of planned out our budget that way. And then we, we, we looked at it and we're like, you know what? I think we're actually not going to give up that much if we just go full time faster, sooner, harder on eBay now, and you can already be home. And so we took that risk and it's, it's panning out and it's working. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you, you sometimes have to look at life and say, what are the obstacles? And, and one thing that I think that's really good that this book didn't do is just say like, go take risk for no reason. Right. Like I feel like in the past we've read books that that's kind of the, no, just take yeah. a risk. you know, <laughs> when everybody says, don't do it, do it. Right. Whereas he says, he gives an example of a, a rescue mission that they do. And he says it was it was risky. They did it during the daytime instead of nighttime. And the reason they did it during the daytime is because there's just this opportune moment came up that they would never get again. And even though there was more risk, there was more opportunity if it worked out. And so um, they, it, they did it and there was mistakes. Things went wrong, but it was successful ultimately. And one thing I like that he said is he says, however, contrary to what outsiders saw, the risk was usually calculated, thoughtful and well planned. Even if it was spontaneous, the operators knew their limits, but believed in themselves enough to try. Yeah, that's, you know what? That's a great point. Because I will say, yeah, that's been kind of, and I get it. It's kind of the entrepreneur way to go, right. right? That no matter what, it doesn't matter where you're at, like drop everything. Maybe it's even better if you're $100,000 in debt, mm. do it, right? And maybe I'm, you know, being a little extreme, but there are, there are individuals that push that agenda. I, I don't think we do. No. And I think, I think this is good. I think this idea of like, there might be a, a moment where you have to be spontaneous, but it should be based off of enough understanding of your own strengths, your own abilities mm -hmm. and trust that you can actually succeed. Right. If this was go down this, this rope head first and you've never done anything like it and you don't even know if you can hold on to it or stop yourself at the end. And you're like, I'm doing it because I'm going to go head first down this obstacle. That's crazy. But if you know yourself and you're like, I have the physical strength to hold on to this rope. I know that I have the ability and the technique to stop myself at the end. I'm doing this, even though there's a risk involved, I trust that I have the ability to make it. So there's a difference between just blindly taking risk and saying, you know what? I'm taking this risk. However, it's based off of an understanding that that I have what's necessary to do. It. And, and there might be times when, when there's uncertainty and you can't weigh out everything. But I think, I think, a big part of what this is teaching is know yourself, know what you're capable of doing, and then take risks accordingly. And, and I think that's important. I, I, 
Don't just blindly take risks, but don't be afraid of risks either. Because then at that point you're saying, I don't have the ability. I don't have the strength. I don't have the, the, the knowledge or whatever it is. And if you really don't have the knowledge and strength and ability, then don't do it. But if it's just fear that's keeping you from doing it, well, the obstacle course is going to beat you every time. No, agreed. And that's part of, you know, what I wanted to share too, was that part of that move that I made similar to the move to being a full-time reseller was that there's one thing I know. And what I know about myself is that I work hard. (laughs) Do I, do I execute well? That's another story, right? (laughs) But whether I work hard or not that, and so if you know certain things about yourself, right, that no matter the situation, you will make things happen, then it's, that's part of being prepared. Right. You know what I mean? Like I knew if I had moved to San Diego and things were really bad, you know, I couldn't, you know, afford things here. I would find another job or I would end up flipping stuff. I would end up, you know, I always figured that out. You know, I, I, one year I made the terrible mistake of not teaching summer school Mm. and summer school in the private education world is a big moneymaker. And so I opted not to, cause it was after my first year actually. And I was like, I'm so done. I'm so tired. Like, I'm just going to relax. Well, what ended up happening was I tried to get a job somewhere else. And then at this other job, I felt it was insulting what they were offering me. Mm. And I didn't even let the interview finish. I just walked out. I said, how much? They said, told me the amount. And I said, I think this interview's done. And I walked out. Okay, don't even. That's a that nice was, mic drop moment there. That was, It was, but it was an immature yep. 24-year-old mic drop moment where 30 minutes later, I'm bawling in the car, calling this employer going, you know, hey, I'm so sorry. That was, you know, and they were done with me. Oh, yeah. It, it, like, if they hired you, that's not a company to work for. No, you don't want them as bosses. But guess what I did that summer? I hustled that summer. I did all kinds of crazy, you know, those Craigslist, like one gig. Oh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like you work at like at a fair or you did this. Like I did all kinds of stuff. So I knew that about myself that no matter what, I would make things happen. If I didn't know that about myself, I wouldn't have made that move. And so I think that's part of the preparation you got to make. Right. So the other takeaway, you know, he talks about rescuing those hostages in Iraq and that their main concern was that they were exposed. Right. It was in the daytime. Usually they like the element of surprise in the evening or, you know, late at night. And so he had mentioned that they had to move. Right. And he didn't use the word embarrassed, but he uses the word later. Right. He talks about later on, that life is a struggle this is towards the end of that chapter and the potential for failure is ever present. But those who live in fear of failure or hardship or embarrassment will never achieve their potential. And I think that is huge. I think especially in our own reselling world, whether we want to admit it or not, embarrassment is something that people don't like, right? Because yes, we're, I don't think we're kind of like the Instagram model world where, you know, everything has to be, you know, beautiful and, and uptight, you know, like everything has to be good, but we do, we do like to flex. I'm using the right context here. Cause you know, I usually mm-hmm. don't use flex in the right, yeah. in the right language. Right. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> thank you're you. growing. You're maturing. Thank you. Appreciate it. But you know, we like to flex our numbers. We like to flex our sales, but you know, we don't like to flex when we fail. Or I don't even know if I can use it right there, right? But we, we don't, don't like, like to broadcast failures. We don't like to broadcast failure for sake of embarrassment that people are going to call us out, right? Right, and and I get that. But part of the beauty of social media is that when you put yourself out there, you can learn because when you embarrass yourself by showing your mistakes, 
you'll get a lot of feedback that will help you. Right. Right. And this podcast, there's been a lot of embarrassing things. Yeah. Well, there's been things we've said on the podcast, which I think we've kept that to a minimum so far, <laughs> which has been awesome. We've had no apology, you know, episodes yet. So hey. hopefully, hopefully we... <laughs> Let's not be too proud, though. No, I know. I know. <laughs> but think about it. Episode 91 episodes, like, whew. All right. And, and you know, somebody's going to find something we said in episode seven and it's going to come to light. But... Yeah. What can you do? <laughs> but, you know, we get feedback in our YouTube comments. We get DMs on our Instagram. We get comments, right? We've put ourselves out there, right? We've embarrassed ourselves at times by making bad calls. I am the king of making bad calls, right? And getting called on it, which I'm fine with. Like, again, being an administrator gave me thick skin. Like, no matter how good I do things, no matter how well I do things, no matter how right I am, I will always be wrong to somebody, right? And so... I think in this business or anything that you're doing, you have to be willing to take those leaps and, and, and lose, mm. right? And be embarrassed so you can learn from them. And I know that sounds strange. So you got to expose yourself a little bit. But like, you know, Admiral McRaven says, it has to be a prepared kind of exposure. Yeah, that's good. So are we good? You ready to ro roll on? Yeah. Chapter seven, stand up to the bullies. If you want to change the world, don't back down from the sharks. Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this chapter? I mean, it was interesting. I, 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 I <laughs> you start. I knew you were gonna go somewhere with it. I, I think it's, I, it's good because this is one of those things where I mean, we've even been called out on this. Like, this doesn't directly relate to reselling. Well, not every aspect of your life does, but who you are impacts every aspect of your life, right? So, I think this is an important thing to recognize. Like, this is we talk a lot on the show um, or hopefully we we talk enough on the show about this idea of integrity and having integrity and and doing the right things even when people don't see um, making good choices, being the kind of person that like your kids would that you'd be proud of your kid becoming, you know, those types of things. And I think this is one of those elements that people can often overlook when we're talking about like practical, because this might not practically make you more money, but this is a character issue. This is an integrity thing that is going to impact every part of your life. And this idea of not being afraid, not backing down from people who are bullies, people who oppress other people, people who uh, do things in, a, in an unjust way. And so I think there's a lot to be said in this. And, and especially, I like that it kind of was connected to the idea of courage, that the, the beginning part of this is him and his, his swim partner are out in the water in the Coronado area and they know that or i think that's where they were wherever they were they it was knew. by san clemente, oh, san clemente. With the sharks okay yeah and so they knew they were great white sharks and it's the middle of the night and they're swimming i go around. there all the time do you i'm like okay maybe i won't go out too far yeah well don't go out too far <laughs> in the middle of the night right when you don't know because that's that's the other thing too is like when you're out in darkness like it's scary like i don't find i don't feel like i'm like a scaredy cat type of a person but there's been a couple of times like i'm out in the middle of nowhere where my my house is and there's no like street lights or anything around me. And I'll go outside and I'll do some stuff. And we're talking. It is so dark. You can't see anything other than there's stars out. And you hear some noises. And it's like, it's creepy, right? Like it can freak you out a little bit. I've been bit. up there. I know. Yeah, it's it's freaky. And so there's this fear that they have of these sharks. But it says this. It says, but we both wanted to be seals so badly that nothing in the water that night was going to stop us. If we had to fight off sharks, then we were both prepared to do so. Our goal, which we believed in to be honorable and noble, gave us courage. And courage is a remarkable quality. Nothing and nobody can stand in your way. Without it, others will define your path forward. Without it, you are at the mercy of life's temptation. 
Without courage, men will be ruled by tyrants and despots. Without courage, no great society can flourish. Without courage, the bullies of the world will rise up. With it, you can accomplish any goal. With it, you can defy and defeat evil. And I know that was kind of a long quote, but I think that's really the aspect of this is, are you courageous enough to stand up against the wrongs and to stand up and do what's right? And I like this idea of like, once you have that goal set, when you have a goal, it gives you the courage you need to be strong. Agreed. So I like what he says because he doesn't, you know, you read this, you like stand up to bullies. So when I first read this, I thought about what I always told my boys. I told my boys, if there's ever somebody, you know, being a punk to you, making fun of you or doing anything, you just deck them in the face. <sighs> I mean, that that's, that's always been my mantra of my boys. Like, and you know, my boys have applied that a couple of times and you know, I get the call and I'm like, well, he stood up for himself. What do you want me to do? And guess what? That bully stopped. Now, I'm not recommending violence, okay? I'm, you know, you do what you want with your kids. That's just the way it is for me. And my, my kids aren't going to be picked on. Now, the, I don't think that's necessarily the 100% best way. Mm. I'm willing to admit that, okay? So, McRaven here talks about his time with Saddam. Yeah, that was Saddam Hussein, the dictator of Baghdad. Those of you that may have been born after this happened that are listening would be 16. Yeah. They'd be 16 or 15. So maybe there's not many. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just feel really old when I start talking about like nine 11 and the war in Iraq stuff. I mean, yeah. that, that was 16 years ago, right? Oh, three is when we invaded Iraq. Yep. So Saddam is removed from Baghdad. is removed from Baghdad. He's in a holding with the U S and McRaven has interactions with Saddam Hussein daily. Like, that's I think crazy. that's cr that's crazy. Yeah. Like, this guy murdered yeah. thousands, right? Anyways, we can, and we're not going to get historical on it, but this guy's a bad guy. Bad guy. Right? He's the butcher of Baghdad. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, when you watch a movie, usually when there's a confrontation with that bad, bad guy, and usually that guy's being slammed against the wall, mm. he's getting beat to a pulp, you know, like, hey, you, you know, we're done with you. But McRaven doesn't do that in here. Right? What McRaven notices towards the end of the chapter is that the men that were from Iraq that were in the same room were super intimidated. And when Saddam would look at them and tell them, to, you know, give them the sign to sit down, they would follow along because they were scared. McRaven, instead of going in there like this, you know, big tough guy and, and beating the living daylights out of Saddam, which Saddam, if you look at him at that time, I'm pretty sure most people could have beat the daylights out of him. I mean, he was pretty emaciated. He was in hiding. He doesn't do that. Instead, he puts him in his place by not acknowledging his power. Yeah. But yeah. And, and that's really the, the key there is right. Like people, people thrive off that, that intimidation. Like he got his power because people were afraid. And by not acknowledging that power or, or even respecting it of like, you know, oh, you're this bad guy. But it's kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Go sit down. Like, yeah. Sit down. That, sat down when he told him to. Yeah. Because that, that removed that power. Like when and, and you know, it's, a, it's kind of a cliche. People always say like, well, if, if someone makes fun of you, if you don't react to it, like you take you take the power away from them. And there is some truth to that. Like people who make fun of other people, like I just think like I teach sixth graders now. So I see this all the time. <laughs> and the people who react to it, if you're constantly reacting and you're constantly, you really are feeding into, you're giving them pleasure, right? Like the people who like the bullies, they're, they, it's sick. They get the pleasure from watching people, you know, be upset and hurt. And, and we all have a tendency to be like that in one area or another, right? Like where you kind of, you can almost be like, haha, other people have something bad happen to them. 
But here is this idea of like, if you can take that power away from them, if you're not afraid of them, if you don't give into it, they have no power or authority over you. Yeah. And that's what he did with Saddam. I mean, he just went in there every, every day, didn't get worked up, just told him, go back to your cell, treat him like he was a nobody. And over time, Saddam fell into place. Right. And it reminds you of the story when I was in eighth grade, I had, there was a bully and I remember this guy was just a punk, just, you know, beat on everybody, scary. And he was a scary dude. I remember one time, you know, we were playing basketball in the gym and, you know, it was a pickup game and, uh, you know, he didn't like what I did. I don't know. I don't know if I threw an elbow or whatever. I don't know what I did. And he came up to me and he looked at me and I said, what are you going to do? And he looked back at me and then he said some expletives and, and he socked me, like just decked me, like right hook, pain. And I didn't react. I just looked back at him. I did like this Terminator move my head. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening to the podcast, I hope you understand, you know, when the Terminator moves his head and I looked at him, and I just mean mugged him. I just stared right in his face. I was dying inside of pain, <laughs> but I didn't react. I didn't punch him back. And he just looked at me. And it was the last time that guy ever said anything or ever attempted, attempted anything on me again. Now, I'm not saying that's the way to go. But it's kind of applied, I think, on multiple levels yeah. in the sense that his power was the reaction he could get out of me, right? If, if he got under my skin, right, if he was able to get me to react, it's kind of, you know, whether it's on social media, whether it's on social media comments, whether it's anywhere, right, whether it's in business, whether it's, you know, in your own personal life, the power is automatically taken away when there is no acknowledgement of it. Right. And I'm not saying, and again, that wasn't a, you know, laid back, do what you want, like, you know, stance. That was a hard stance. And again, it breaks down that power. So just something to think about. I really appreciated how McRaven, you know, his non reaction was the reaction which took away the power. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I think, you know, connecting it back to, um, to reselling, if, if, if I can, you know, is definitely can. Yeah. When you have, a, <laughs> when you are living a life like, this and we talk about reselling as a lifestyle. Um, so this obviously is an integrity thing that can affect affect every part of your life. But specifically the reselling, there's going to be people who mock your your lifestyle. There are going to be people who don't understand it. There there's going to be times when you know you're going to face those kinds of oppositions, or maybe you're going to be in a place where you aren't the one, but you're seeing that happen to other people, and you have a, the ability to kind of either one really ignore it and and be like General McRaven when he was out swimming with the sharks, and it's like I have a goal. Like my goal is to provide for my family with this type of lifestyle that we're living. And I'm not going to let anything, whether it's a shark or a person's comments or the wave, even going back to that embarrassment of like how other people see me, I'm not going to let those things have power over me because I have courage, because I have this goal that to me is more important. That's providing for my family or, or having this lifestyle or whatever it is. And so, you know, it definitely, it, it can connect in that way. And I, it, I, it reminds me of a story when I was in high school. This is now the second time I brought up being on the football team. Now I feel like now I feel like he was I'm, an all-star athlete, D one, college yeah. bound. Uh, so, oh, funny. Yeah. oh With, my god! Yep, yep. So we're not gonna know, go. my one game, right? But no, I, there's multiple dads that do that, like on shows. So yeah. we don't have to go Al Bundy on it. So, but I, I remember I was I want to say I was a junior at the time, and the kid that this happened to was a sophomore. And he was he was a little bit of an oddball character. And and the seniors at the time on the football team, they they were bullies. Like 
we all looked up to them. We all wanted to be like them because they were they were awesome. They were great. They won games. They were really good. And so we all kind of like wanted to be like them. But to be on the in crown, you you had to be like them. And they were they were cruel. They were mean. And there was this one kid that he was the easy target and he was picked on and he was treated poorly all the time. And they would always at the end of practice run to like his bag because he always had like snacks and, and Gatorade and stuff. And they would always eat and, and drink his stuff. And I remember one time me and my friend were like standing. We kind of walked up to him. We're like, like we're, we're sorry that like that happens to you. Like, that's not right. Like, we feel really bad. Like, do you want us to go buy you like another Gatorade? Like, we can't stop them because we were cowards, right? Like, we weren't going to stand up to them. But like, we at least wanted to let this kid know that he was, you know, not I'm not alone in this. And uh, he kind of just smiled and said, it's OK. I peed in the bottle. Oh, and my. I know that that's that, it's a little intense. Right. right? But I. It that's, was just that moment. A little. Of like, that's that's pretty intense. Is it? <laughs> well, I don't know. I just, I, especially in that. Anyways, okay, let's keep. But going. It, it just made me think, though, that like you know, that moment of like I was a coward in that moment, but like seeing a little bit of justice, and I just remember thinking, like I've thought about on that moment all the time. Like there was, like I guess you could say justice happened in that situation. But I just think of like <laughs> if I could go this back. Story like, will always be remembered now on PHP. All right. That's all I'm going to say. As long as we don't edit it out, right? <laughs> We're not editing this out. Okay. We're dropping this actually in 35 minutes. Yeah. This is Sunday. And we're, we're recording on Sunday because we wanted to make this happen. Some things came up, but we're dedicated to the podcast. And so we want to be very clear. Uh, Pure Hustle Podcast does not condone hitting people, violence, or or any kind of um, retaliation towards bullies, including doing anything wrong to, to uh, Liquid. So... <laughs> That is not what we are saying, but that's, that's our legal disclaimer. But we've all experienced in our life, like there are those people who are cruel and mean. And, you know, in what way as, as oh individuals can we stand up to that? And I'm not saying retaliate, but don't don't be afraid. Don't cower, because when you do, when you don't have that goal, that a, a system of values that is guiding you, uh, you know, it, things are going to go poorly for you and things are going to go better for the bad people. You know, I was... <laughs> hundred percent agree. The whole time I'm here, I'm looking at Mike's notes on his computer. I'm looking over and it says, Saddam, pee in the bottle, hyphen, stand up for others. And I'm like, where's what the whole time, you know, we're talking, I'm looking at this going, where's he going with this? Well, now I know. Sometimes you can't judge notes by what they initially say. That's right. Thank you, Mike, for sharing that story. Yeah, I hope it's appropriate. I hope we don't lose any uh, no, we're, our listeners on no. that one. <laughs> Listen, I there's far worse that's been done. All right. Hey, so he talks about dark moments in here twice, and, and I want to bring this up because... Are we moving on to Chapter 8? We are, but I just want to dwell on this one thought real quick. Is this oversell on Chapter 7? I, I think so. Am I am I jumping the gun? Oh, we're on Chapter 8. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Okay, so yeah, so Chapter 8 is Rise to the Occasion. If you want to change the world, be your very best in the darkest moments. Ah. Yes. And so I think this is huge because, you know, and it depends where you're at. Like some people have had dark moments in their teenage lives. Some people have dark moments in their 20s. Some people actually, I know some people that they're in their 40s now and they've never had a bad moment. Now, again, that's what I know. Yeah. Right. We really never know. Yeah, some people are good at hiding the darkness that they're experiencing. <laughs> That sounds really bad, but it's true. It is true. But I, I really think, you know, it applies to reselling 100% because I'm experiencing this now and I'll talk about it in the next podcast where, 
you know, the entrepreneur life, it's it's so up and down, especially if you are the main, you know, person providing income for your family. You know, you go through this, oh, things are really good. Like, I'm going to scale this. I'm going to be good. And then things go really poorly. And it's a dark time. And you yeah. start questioning and going, what am I doing? Is this worth it? And then the next day, you have all these sales. And you're like, oh, this is all good. Right? It just goes up and down, up and down. Up. And I knew that. But I really didn't know that. And I would say I didn't know that until probably this last month mm-hmm. when things got really interesting. Not interesting in the sense that things were going to be really bad because like McRaven had stated a couple of chapters ago, when you take risk, it's calculated risk. So my, my risk was calculated that I have, and I was talking to Mike the other day about this, about I have a certain number in savings that if I drop below that number, then I begin to look at other options. Right. Right. I don't wait till I'm at zero. Yep. Right. And I would recommend those of you that are thinking about going full time, don't make zero your number. Don't make 5K your number. Don't make 10K. Like, make it something that you could go a long time. Right. Because there are going to be those moments where you're not going to make money. And if you quit at that moment, you don't know what's around the corner. Mm. Right. So you got to have enough to carry you through those tough times. Right. And in here, he says on page 77, no matter how dark it gets, you must complete the mission. This is what separates you from everyone else. Mm. And I think that 100% applies to life and applies to reselling. I mean, I look back a year ago, how many resellers, you know, we had followers and we had different people that DM'd us and, you know, they went through tough moments and some just said, I'm done with reselling, right? They just walked away and which is totally fine. I'm okay with that. Like I always say, reselling is life, but reselling isn't life. Right. Right. In the sense that if there's something else that creates an ROI of happiness or of encouragement, then go that route. Don't just stick with reselling because you made an Instagram account or you did a YouTube or you made a podcast. <laughs> right. That, that, that shouldn't be the reason why you're sticking to it. Now, if the reason is because you know you can make this happen and you're in a rough spot, what's going to separate you is making it through that rough spot. Right. Right. Because when things are good, it's easy for things to be good. Right. But when things are rough, that's going to really determine, are you, and I say this all the time, am I an entrepreneur? Like, can I hang through those difficult moments? Good. So I want, did you have anything more to add? Yeah. Um, just again, like, I think that's great. Like, I think it's just encouraging too, to say like, sometimes it's reselling. Sometimes it's outside life, right? Like, Oh yeah. People, I think it's way more outside life than reselling. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the moments, and I, and I you know, I don't want to like even say it's bragging. It's not even bragging, but I don't want to dwell on it in that sense. But I, I, I am proud of the fact that when I was going through my master's program, I decided to do a one-year program instead of to doing a two-year Which program. So intense. And I'm a full-time teacher, so I'm going through that. And my wife is pregnant, right? So we decided to get through it before uh, we were planning on having a kid, and we we're like, if I'm gonna go through this program, I need to go through it before we have a child. Because once we have a child, like it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be finishing up my program and, and I'm going to have an infant up to about like four months or so. Okay. So that to me was an easier time than ha- trying to go through my master's program with a, like a two-year-old, right? Because it's like, he doesn't require as much when he's young. So we plan this out. Well, things happen that you don't always plan, right? And uh, my son, when he was born, he, he's got a, a couple of medical conditions and um, immediately after his birth was taken into the NICU and checked out and they were like, okay, he seems to be good. And so he came back to the room with us uh, that first night and he was 
going to sleep with us. Or actually, the first night he slept in like a, a separate room where they kept an eye on him. Then the second night he was with us and the nurse noticed his breathing was really, really, really fast, like faster than it should have been a few times. And so the NICU doctors came in, took him back to the NICU, and he ended up spending um, over eight days in the NICU and they couldn't figure it out. There was no reason his breathing, his oxygen levels kept dropping. And I just remember that feeling of helplessness as like the, the alarms are going off, the machines are beeping. And we're, we're now discharged from the hospital. So like we're going home and coming back to the hospital back and forth and we can't take our son home with us. Right. And it's, it's miserable, but I still have a master's program that I'm in Mm -hmm. and I still have classwork to do and I still have assignments to submit. And so I would have been, I don't think anybody would have, if I would have dropped out of the program or asked for extensions, I don't think anybody would have said like, oh, that's weak of you. Right. Like, I had every excuse, every reason. It would have been justified for me to have kind of stepped out and said, like, right now, this is not the time. But I also knew there was nothing I could do for my son. He's being watched, and I'm sitting beside his bed, and, and I'm not sleeping because I'm, I'm, you know, overwhelmed with, like, you know, anxiety and all this stuff. But I can still do the things that I have control over. And so I kept going, and I kept working on my master's degree program, and I got through it. And now my son is happy, healthy. Things are going great. And I look back to that time and that was a dark moment in my life, but I, I kept going. I kept going because, you know, not going, wasn't going to change anything, not keep, if I would have given up, it wouldn't have changed anything. And so I share that because I know every one of our listeners has something in their life like that, some moment in their life where they can look at and say like, things have been really, really rough. And if they haven't experienced it yet, like it will come. Uh, General McRaven says at some point we will all confront a dark moment in life if not the passing of a loved one, then something else that crushes your spirit and leaves you wondering about your future. In that dark moment, reach deep inside of yourself and be your very best. And so that's just a reminder to to everybody, like when that dark moment comes, don't give in, reach deep inside. And that's the moment to be your best. Have that integrity then. So I want to break down that quote. I'm glad you ended with that quote because I think it's a great point. I think the very first part at some point in life, you know, confront a dark moment. Yes. I mean, there's various, you know, motivational speakers that talk about how are you going to react, right? Because the way you react is going to determine a lot whether you're going to succeed or not. Mm. Right. And, you know, our, you know, the, the dark moments, like with you, I remember being there with your son and that was a dark time for you. I, I That was rough. I remember that. And, you know, the masters is kind of, you know, you have different levels, right? Yeah. Right. Dark moment with your son. That's like, I don't know level one like top priority like mm-hmm. that's really rough right your masters is like three or four or five right. right you know stuff like that so i want you guys to understand that we're not you know there's plenty of level ones that we could talk about yeah but you know <laughs> this is a podcast and there's thousands that listen and yeah. i'm not willing to put all my level ones out there right right and or maybe not any but what i will tell you is i know a lot of you and a lot of you have reached out to us on dms and talked to, to us about your level ones Right. And we're not, you know, I'm not asking for you guys to share with us. Right. Because we're not therapists. Right. I would say seek professional help if things are really bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Really rough. But you've reached out to us because you express that you have a similar situation happening or or that, you know, one time, you know, I had shared with the fact that sometimes it's good to just recognize that things are just bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And some of you had talked about that you needed that because you felt that so much pressure had been put on to you to you know, always put up a good front and always be that role model. But sometimes you have to just acknowledge the bad. Yeah. So McRaven, I, I, and, and I don't think, you know, I, I say this a lot with what he says. I think he's very, 
hundred percent positive, like keep, you know, his one chapter move forward. Right. Or, you know, dare to be great or whatever, whatever you want to say. And I, I truly believe when he says things, he's trying to be motivational and he's not taking that things out. So what I mean by that is if you go to the second part of the quote, he says in that, that dark moment, reach deep inside yourself and be your very best. Right. This is the very end of that chapter. And I want to add to that. Don't only just reach in deep inside yourself because there may be nothing left. <laughs> I'm being real. There may be nothing left, right? Depending on that dark moment, something might've just rocked you and you, you have to reach out to others. Right. <laughs> I feel like we're some, you know, well, I mean, it kind of goes back I, to one of his earlier points, right? Of it takes yeah, a team. Oh. Yeah. And, and cause here, here's what happens. And whether this be in reselling and you, you know, you destroyed your business by making a bad call and it's on you and you're like, well, the last time we reached deep inside and try to figure things out, this is what happened. Okay. So you need to reach out to others who have done the same, right? Or experienced the same, right? And it's, it's kind of one of those things. And, you know, where I talk, you know, back in the day, <laughs> you know, I used to, you know, mentor a lot of people about different things. And I would only mentor those that I had the same experience and I made it through. Like, I wouldn't mentor someone that I had no experience about going through something because, like, who am I to say anything, right? Unless I've been through something, I can't really speak on it, right? But what what I learned is, is that not only me, you know, speaking into the life of the individual, but them connecting to others going through the same helped them through that dark transition, right? Whatever it may be, whether it's reselling related, family related, you know, grieving through something. Like, I know, I know a lot of this self-help stuff is all about, you know, it's all up to you. It's only you, da da da. Which I I think there's truth to that, right? Ultimately, if your business succeeds, right, a huge part of it is you. The other part of it's the market, right? But there's another part of it is that you know why we are on YouTube, why we're on podcasts, why we're in social media is because to learn and to reach out to others. So don't think that that dark moment, you know, is just meant for you to go through it alone. I don't know. I I just wanted to share this because, man, you can get into some really dark places if you're by yourself. Yeah, no, for sure. Really dark places. And and so I wanted to be clear about that, that, yeah, you can go, yeah, I made it through on my own. And you can, but it's so much better when you're going through it with others. And that's my $20 to my two cents. Yeah, I like it. That's good. All right, let's go to the next chapter. Right, uh, I feel like before, we got really real on that one. I think, I think. I think we're always really real. I think speaking well, of speaking true. of which, um, uh, maybe it's a good time for a little stinger, right? Or uh, <laughs> our little elevator pitch. Yeah, that's our right. sixty seconds. Hey, if you haven't had a chance yet, we are on social media. We are Pierce Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and Whoa. Facebook. <laughs> hey, thank you all. You guys have come over from TikTok. We have, you know, I was kind of surprised because you know, sometimes you don't know what you'll get on TikTok. Like you, you know. You don't know what you're going to get the, on TikTok. One of the latest comments is, I really like that makeup you have on. Oh, yeah. We get that. Sometimes. Or the it's other like, one was like. This is the bot comments. Yeah, yeah. I love your cosplay outfit. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, yeah. who are you? You should see Pure Hustle Podcast and cosplay. It's awesome. <laughs> but there are some legit people that do follow us and have come over and are listening to the podcast. So thank you, guys. Thank you, all of you that are on Instagram following us and listening to the podcast and on Facebook. We're also Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. 
And on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast, we are PSO Podcast. Please hit that bell button and that like, because the higher, the more likes we get, the higher we end up in the searches. And hey, leave a comment if there's anything you agree or disagree with. Hey, we're always willing to interact. And sometimes we'll just go like, you might be right. Because <laughs> you know what that means when Orlando says that. <laughs> well, because you might be right. I deep inside probably think you're wrong, but you might be right. So <laughs> just being real. And uh, you can always give us a call at 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at purosopodcast at gmail.com. That's purosopodcast at gmail.com. And if you ever want to say thank you in a monetary way, again, we're always grateful. Thank you so much for the donations that, you know, come in. And sometimes they don't and sometimes they do. But every single dollar or change. We haven't had change come in, though. It's all been dollars. Yeah. Can you do change through PayPal? I don't know. I always, there's probably enough of a fee on our end that it wouldn't be worth it. That is true. But hey, we have a link below if you just want to say thank you. And uh, hey, you know, if anyway, these level up reviews have helped you, we'd love it if in the reviews on iTunes, yes. you talk about the level review because we got a lot of the reselling stuff on yep. there. But if we get some level up review feedback, that would be awesome. So we really appreciate that. Yeah. And and again, uh, that that's the only thing I could ask for is just get, keep giving us reviews on iTunes. It's huge. Uh, I think at some point we need to do like some kind of a like fun giveaway or something for for a random person we, for a review. Are we know? allowed to do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it has to be like we're picking a five star review, but just like any like if, if you give us a review, like you know, we'll try and find your no, we'll do something right because honestly, you giving us reviews is like the most impactful thing for our podcast. That makes the biggest difference about getting the word out, and uh, and you know, we never ask for money for our content um, as far as like. If you want our content, you have to pay for it. It's always so, free. So if you would like to really help us out, your uh, contribution could just be sharing that. That would be huge. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you all of you that continue to support us since day one, even with the books that you don't agree with. Thanks for following us along the level up review because, you know, some books, you know, we love and some books we don't. And it is what it is. So, hey. But no matter what, you come out of it and you you think, right? And that's kind of the idea. That's true. To constantly true. be thinking. Think deeply. Uh, and then uh, we all, always want to give people hope, you know? And uh, chapter nine is give people hope. All right. Yeah. And uh, if you want to change the world, start singing when you're up to your neck in mud. That's rough. That's the last thing. That's a good mind. one. It is because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, when everything else is against you, do something completely opposite. Right, because what he's talking about is they're in hell week, correct? Yep. yep. And they they're in mud and it's cold, right? And it's up to their neck. Yep. And and the 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 instructors are are berating them and making it difficult and and really trying to like make them miserable, right? Like that's the whole idea. The whole idea of the of the hell week for um for these people going through buds, going through seal training, is to weed out the people who are going to give up. Right. And so that's the job of the instructors. He said that multiple times. So that's what they're doing. Is they're trying to make you quit. I mean, usually your teacher, like if you think of teachers or people like that, your, your mentors, your coaches, they want you to succeed. The, the SEAL instructors want everybody who's going to fail to fail as quickly as possible so that they can then begin to train the, the people who are worthy, I guess you could say. That right? are willing to yeah, make to it go happen. Through it. And, and, that is the right and loving thing, I guess, for them to do for for the team because you don't want people with you. I love what going, you said the loving thing. I mean, it is because he loves those guys. Well, because if around. you care about the person next to you, yeah, you know, you want them, you want everybody on the team to oh, be agreed. able to contribute, mm -hmm. right? And so you have no problem with getting rid of the people who are going to be a, a liability to your team. And so the things they say and do can be cruel, 
Uh, but we've got this story of them, like literally there's like the instructor with a bullhorn yelling at them and somebody is about ready to give up. Oh, actually, you know what? Was that? Was he um, like major pain? That's what I think about when you throw that out there. No, I don't. Yeah. It wasn't like that. But uh, So the, 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 I, I could be wrong. I actually I don't think he was yelling at them in a bad way to start with. It's basically like, you know, you can quit type of a thing. And no, no. He offered them. Chocolate, he said, hey, hot there's chocolate, hot chocolate, yeah. there's some warm blankets. All you got to like, do is give up. Yeah. Just it's, some like, honey it's almost out like there. psychology, like, like they're yeah. getting in their head. And so somebody's like stands up and he's ready to, to, to quit. And General McRaven is like grabs at his arms, like, no, come back. But the guy's it, the, the draw to quit is so much because it's so uncomfortable to be cold, miserable, in the mud, haven't slept. They don't sleep for like six days straight. Like it's it's crazy. <laughs> Have you tried not to sleep for a day? If, yeah, 24 hours is hard enough. Like I can't imagine. Going I went that 48 long. hours and it was, it was mi like, mi like you start losing your sanity, mm. right? I remember I went paintballing and uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what that make you laugh? I don't know. It's the fact funny. that I got rocked. So and we went camping and I just couldn't sleep. So I literally was up probably 48 hours and, you know. You couldn't sleep because you were, had so many like paintball sores? Or? No, no, no. The ca the camping, like I am so not. so exciting? It was so terrible. Like it was, it was oh, a city camping. kid. Oh, okay. Camping. So we went tank camping and it was kind of like we paintballed all day, which is exhausting. Tank camping. And the next day we went paintballing all day again. But, you know, I'm a city kid. So I just brought like a regular sleeping bag and it was the ground was wet mm. and. It was just miserable, yeah, was miserable. Yeah, I mean it's bad. It, it can be, and, and it wasn't even neck. No, and it mud up to my neck. Yeah, freezing cold. But the the whole idea of this this chapter is somebody starts singing, right? Like as somebody's like walking away to give up, somebody starts, and he doesn't even tell us the song. He, in fact, he says like the song is probably like not appropriate for tender ears, right? But he he says like everybody tender or tender, huh? No joking. Uh, so it's not appropriate <laughs> for like you know. For, for the tender ears out there. But he says everybody knew it and they started singing and it, it brought the person back. Like they, they had a little bit of hope because there was, there was, they're all in it together. They're all suffering together. And there's kind of this like, we can do this in your face instructors. And then the instructor gets on the bullhorn. That's when he gets on the bullhorn and he's yelling at them to stop, stop singing. And they don't, they sing louder. And he's like, seriously, knock it off or I'm going to go make your life miserable. And they sing louder, right? I will tell you, this is hard for me to think about because I'm thinking about a bunch of huge dudes, like, you know, all swole in the mud. With deep voices singing. Yeah. Well, they like, weren't singing with deep voices. Probably like raspy. Like they could barely get it out. They're yeah, miserable. No, no. I know. I'm sure. It's just, it's something different though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, but it's so good. It's this idea. And it, I guess the takeaway from this is there are going to be times in life where things are really hard, where other people around you want to give up. Like we even face that a lot with, with reselling. We never, ever want to be, we get accused of it, but we never want to be the people who sell false dream. Like no. we never say like, hey, just quit your job. You're going to make six figures reselling easy peasy. Um, but we also don't want to be the people who don't provide people encouragement when they need it. There are times when people like this is what they they want to do, uh, but they might be going through a rough part and they're like, you know what? I don't know if it's worth it. And we want to be the people to say like, you know what? Keep hustling, keep working, keep going and providing that motivation, providing that inspiration, uh, because sometimes that's all you need. And I just can imagine how mad the instructors are getting because I remember there was a time when I was in going back to football, man. I'm never bringing up wow. football again. But I, Al Bundy said it. Yeah, I, I know. I know. But I remember it, that was one of the things is like the seniors uh, got to kind of during the hell week got to be mean to like the freshmen and get them going, you know, and like kind of uh, discourage them, but encourage them at the same time. by it was like a rite of passage that I don't even think is legal to do anymore. And um, and I remember like 
me and some of the other senior guys and it, not the bullying like we we're talking about earlier, but like, you know, just fun hazing. We're like telling people like, yeah, do pushups, do whatever. And there is this one kid who just smiled at me the whole time. And every time I'm like, stop smiling at me. And he keeps smiling. And that got under my skin in ways I can't even express. He, he won. won. Yeah. And so I, I can just imagine these instructors like, stop singing. I'm going to make your life more miserable. And they just keep singing louder. Right. And, and, but, but honestly, that was the lesson the instructors wanted to instill in them, right? Is, is be a team, be willing to, to do something awkward and embarrassing, but to encourage other people, put yourself in that place. Uh, and yeah, how can you do that? Like how in your life can you be inspiring to those around you when they're ready to give up? Because I, I promise you there will be a time in your life when it's you, when it's you that wants to give up and you're going to hope that there's somebody around to come and, and grab you by the arm and kind of drag you along because sometimes you need that. And the other side is you could be that person, right? And that's, uh, you know, we talk about being positive a lot in the reselling community, but it's so true. Like you never know. It, it's kind of, you know, it's funny on Instagram, we'll post something and we're like, you know, we just got to post something to trigger that algorithm. Yeah, do it for the algorithm. We know other people do that. We're, we're not the only ones. Okay. We're just being real with it. And we're like, well, just post it, just drop it. And then, then we'll get all this feedback going, wow, thank you so much. It's what I needed. Or I learned something and we're like, oh, all right. Awesome. Right. Yeah. That's what <laughs> we meant the whole time. <laughs> that's exactly why we posted that. But that's kind of the same thing here. Like you never know where your positive outlook or your, your words of encouragement can be the game changer for that individual. Right. So the key thing, right. If you want to change the world is just going along with the whole idea that not having to sing when you're up to your neck in mud, but being that individual that no matter how tough things are, right. Being able to speak encouragement to someone else because you never know. Yep. You just never know. And I think singing is a good representation too of just kind of having like joy, like no matter how bad things get, like if you can, if you can still smile. And I think that's another way of thinking about it, like smile, laugh, seeing in the face of adversity. And, and it's going just that act alone. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that believes that like, you know, you can change the future of the universe by like the way you think. But at the same time, you can change your perspective about things which changes a lot about the way you handle situations. Oh, agreed. And so, 100%. yeah. And, and, and I just even think, you know, smiling when you're on a difficult phone call or, or dealing with those things and trying to like find the humor when things get rough, right? Like, you know, you, you do something bad, embarrassing. And instead of like wallowing in self-pity, you stand up and you say like, man, that's funny. And you kind of make fun of yourself through the situation and you move on, you know, and, and you look at the positive instead of the negative. Um, and that kind of leads us. Do you have anything else on this chapter? Nope. All right. That leads us to chapter 10. Never, ever quit. If you want to change the world, don't ever, ever ring the bell. You know, it's funny when I, when I heard about, you know, I watched his speech and he talks about mm. it and I just keep thinking of that, the KO bell, right. In boxing, mm. right. Ding, 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 ding. Yep. You know, and when he, especially when the fight's still going and they're trying to end it. Mm. Right. And this is huge because I think, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we already talked about this a lot, you know, going through dark times, you know, moving forward. Like this is, this is kind of the theme of the book, but ringing that bell is so easy. Now let's give context. So what does he mean by ring that bell? All right. So, uh, in the seal training, you can give up at any point. Like this is one of the few things in life, like a lot of things in life you go through and like, you have no choice, right? This is like, they're like, hey, 
we're going to make your life so miserable. You're going to hate anything and everything. And, and you're, you're going to wish you were never born. But all you got to go do is go ring that bell. And we've got a nice cup of hot coffee waiting for you. We'll give you a nice bed to sleep in. Like basically the lure is ring the bell. Life gets easy. Life gets like there's not a lot of things in life where like you're going through a difficult time and it's like all I have to do is quit and then things are instantly better. Right. But that is the temptation that they're faced with every day. There's this bell. But then at the same time, there's almost that humiliation of I have to now go in front of all of my peers, all of my teammates, all the people that I said, like, I'm strong enough to stand by you and I'll make it through and we'll make it. And you go and you ring that. Right. And so there's the simultaneous easing of the burden. And at the same time, this humiliation of I was not capable. You don't get to just like walk away in like obscurity or silence. Like you have to basically stand before everybody and say, I am not worthy or I'm not capable or I'm not strong enough. I give up. And that public display of giving up, you would think, and again, you've talked about like, these are often like big, burly, strong, manly men who, who've made it oftentimes through already weeks and weeks of, of difficulty. And yet they're still willing to go ring the bell. And that says something, not just about the difficulty of the program, but it says something about the nature of the people who make it through the fact that there are so many people who are just honorable, very capable people going through this program and even they're giving up, it, it then makes those who don't ring the bell, it makes it that much more important, that much more special. Agreed. And it's it very much applies to reselling. One of the things that so got to me, we interviewed Side Hustle Network, the, the Side Hustle Network, a, a couple of episodes ago, and they had talked about when they entered reselling, when they both you know quit their jobs, they said, uh, this is all there was going to be. There's nothing else. We're burning the ships. We're moving forward, right? And if you're wondering where that comes from, the burning the ships, that's from, I want to, I feel bad as a historian, I can remember, I want to say it's Cortez, when, when, he, when he landed in Mexico and he, you know, the story is that he burned the ships and this is what we're going to conquer and we're going to make things happen. Don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't want to oppress and conquer people. Okay, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is you sink those ships, there is nothing else, right? Once you make a call, to do something that is, I would say, a huge game changer, you have to move forward. And I would say for me, that's that's kind of one of the struggles I had going full-time as a reseller was that I, for a long time, had in my head, if things don't work out, I'll go back to teaching, which I love teaching. I still may go back to teaching one day. Don't know when. But I always had this thing because, you know, I had developed enough of a resume and enough connections that, you know, if things ever got to a place, I could automatically, you know, find something really quick. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be tough. But I had to get to a place where I was like, no, either I'm all in and I'm going to make this happen. Or I should just go back to doing the side hustle because I'm never going to be able to grow. And unless, you know, I deal with the very difficult times and I make it through those difficult times, this isn't going to work out and I'm going to end up being, you know, just like, you know, every other, you know, thing that you see where it's, you know, people are like, I'm going all in and then they fall away right now. With that all being said, there comes a time where not only is it like, Hey, I'm not going to ring that bell, but I'm also going to make sure that the bell is nowhere available to me. Right. Because if you're if you're constantly going, hey, I, and it's kind of the same thing I'm trying to say. But if you're constantly saying, hey, there's that bell, there's that bell, there's that bell. 
That's how you're going to function. That's how you're going to react. I truly believe everything you do will be with a bell in mind. But if that bell is out of sight, out of mind, and there is no bell and this is all you know, that's how you're going to work. That's how you're going to function with your business or whatever it is you're dealing with. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's good. And I think a couple of things that I kind of want to add to that. So one, I'll give a quote that was said by the beginning when they started this program and the bell was being introduced and the instructor was explaining it and he rung it even. He says, but let me tell you something. Because he said, like, it's it's easy. You can give up. And he said, I'm going to try and make all of you give up. I mean, it starts hard. Like, my job is to make you ring this bell. That's what I want more than anything. It gives me pleasure when you guys ring the bell, right? But he says this. He says, but let me tell you something. He said, if you quit, you will regret it for the rest of your life. Quitting never makes anything easier. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something really profound to be said there. Now, here's the, the, the caveat that I want to add to this. People take this to the extreme and they get locked into foolish things instead of like what we always talk about, adapting, changing. Sometimes the goal moves. Sometimes this is a moving target, right? And so don't get locked into like, this is how I'm doing it and I'm never going to quit. Even when all of the signs are saying, this is no longer profitable, you need to adapt, you Mm -hmm, need to change, mm -hmm. you need to move. And so people get this idea of never quitting, right? And they'll be like, yeah, I mean, I've even heard people make, you know, joking comments like, yeah, I I was going to quit smoking, but I'm no quitter, right? Or something like that, right? (laughs) And it's like, okay, but that's not the type of quitting that's being talked about here. And, and even still, like, sometimes you might, you might say, you got to think like, what is big goal? Big goal is usually not, I want to be a reseller, right? Or I want to sell lots of items. There's usually a bigger goal. What's the why, right? The why is, well, I want to have this lifestyle. I want to be able to provide for my family. I want to be able to work on my own time. I want to be able to enjoy what I'm doing, right? There's usually like a bigger why. And so you got to think about that when it comes to not quitting. That's your goal, right? It might not be, I want to be a clothes reseller. I want to sell VCRs. Like that is my goal is I'm going to make six figures selling VCRs or whatever it is, or I'm just eBay or I'm Amazon. Because maybe five years from now, those things might not be profitable for you anymore. And you have to completely change. So you might have to quit on eBay or Amazon or whatever it is to change and adapt, but you're not quitting on the big goal, right? And that's the idea here is you will regret it forever if you have something truly that you care about. Because if, if you quit something and it doesn't haunt you, it probably wasn't something that you really, really oh, cared about in the first point. place. You know? But if you quit on something that you truly care about, it will haunt you. And so you have to kind of ask yourself, is reselling that thing? And maybe not reselling, but is this lifestyle that you want? Is that the thing? Is that the goal that you're willing to go for? And it might it might be as simple as providing for your family, right? And, and you, I say that's simple, but if that's your ultimate goal, then going back to a nine to five doesn't necessarily mean you've quit. It means you've had to adapt to make that ultimate goal happen. But maybe your ultimate goal is more specific than that and is, I want to be able to work from home, right? Well, maybe it's reselling, but if that avenue that closes down for you, that doesn't mean you quit on your ultimate goal. It doesn't mean you quit on that. You just have to find ways to make it through and never give up. Yeah. I kind of look at it as like the bell gets farther and farther away. Mm. Right. And so as you get more into something, the bell begins to, you know, at first I think the bell is always there, right? When you first jump and you do something, you you're so ready to ring that bell. Right. But as, you get better and better at something, right? And you start learning, that bell goes away. It's kind of interesting because I was speaking with someone the other day and they had they had left. They're they're kind of in the, you know, they weren't in education, but they were in a place where they had the steady paycheck, they had the benefits, like everything was good. And they went into private practice. And they said, 
you know, Orlando, a year from now, you're going to be doing things entirely different. And right now, you things are going well for you, but then you're going to hit a rough spot. And if you can make it through that next phase where you're doing things differently and you figured out, like, you're really going to love what you're doing. And I thought, why? I'm doing really well. Well, sure enough, like, <laughs> you know, I talked about Q4 wasn't what I thought it'd be this last Q4, right? <clears throat> Summer slowdown, we figured it out right now. We got, oh, we have some other things happening right now, right? But I agree with you because right now, the way I do things, I wouldn't say they're entirely different, but they're very much different mm. than they were a year ago. And actually, I enjoy it more now because I, I actually, I... I don't know if I have it all figured out, but I have a lot of it figured out where I know how to do certain things that unless I had gone through those very difficult moments in my uh, reselling career, I guess whatever you want to call it, I wouldn't have made those things happen. I wouldn't have adapted, right? I could have chosen, you know what, this isn't going to happen. But instead, I chose to adapt. I chose to learn. I chose to reach out. I chose to figure things out. And I'm in an entirely different place. And so one way to never quit and never ring that bell is like you said, is adapting. And we talk about this all the time, but I think it's very, very true that if you just keep going, I'm going to do this, this, and this the same way every single time, that bell is going to get really close to you. You got to be really careful about it. Or that. you're going to go down on a sinking ship, right? Like that's part of the thing too, is you might want to live the life of a, a sailor, right? But Get going down on a sinking ship isn't the only alternative to just finding another ship, right? Like you can still have your dream of being out on the water. You just don't have to go down on the sinking ship. It's not like either or. And that I guess is the point I'm trying to make is it's a false dichotomy to say you have to give up on the big goal if you give up on the little goal, right? Like you can quit the the small thing in order to attain the big thing. And so that is the, I guess the main thing that to take out of this is you need to be specific about that too. Like, what is your goal now? And know that that goal five years from now is going to move and change. And you have to be wise enough to keep moving that goal, getting closer and closer to what you really want your life to be like, because it's going to change. And if it's not changing, and, and I, I think if you've got a, a rock solid goal, that'll stay the same. But the little goals to get there, those are going to change. And you have to be willing to abandon the ones that are leading you away from the big goal. So, so never quit on the thing that's really important. Uh, and sometimes you might have to quit on the things, you know, you might be like Poshmark, I'm quitting on because it didn't work or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So don't be, don't be stubborn, but don't think that the, the only alternative is hundred percent stubborn or giving up completely. There is another option. So I like the word pivot. You know, you, I, I like your, 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 your book, your next book, your, if whenever you read a book should be like, find another ship. But, you know, pivot in basketball, right? When you're going to the basket, right, you pivot, right? You're still going to that same basket, right? But you may, a lane might close and you might end up having to take the other lane or you might have to wait for a screen to happen. And you're only going to have to pivot. So that's, there's nothing wrong in pivoting. It's when you turn around and walk away is when you, the regrets begin to happen, right? And I, I agree with that. I 100% agree with you don't want to ring that bell and regret it like that. That's so big. I, I think now that I'm 40, I don't have a lot of regrets, but the things that I do regret, I regret a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so you don't want to put in your, yourself in that place and you want to make sure you're continually moving. And all these things that we've talked about, all these things that we've applied from number one, making your bed. Yeah. If you just make your bed out of this book, you've won. 
I, I mean, taking to, a step towards You're taking winning. a step. You've won. You, okay. You won a small battle. You've won the battle, but not the war. That's right. Okay, whatever way you want to word it, right? And then these other things, right, you can go to, right? So I hope this book was motivating to you. I hope it was inspiring. I hope it changed some aspect of your life. You have a little bit more you want to add to this here? I just have a quote I want to end it off on. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Are we ready? I'm ready. So the ending of the book was, life is full of difficult times, but someone out there always has it worse than you do. If you fill your days with pity, sorrowful for the way you've been treated, becoming a bemoaning your lot in life, blaming your circumstances on someone or something else, then life will be long and hard. If on the other hand, you refuse to give up on your dreams, stand tall and strong against the odds, then life will be what you make of it and you can make it great. Never ever give the bell. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.